Welcome to SR159 Q&A. Today we have a question about what you do when someone says, I have nothing to hide. Um, do we like Family Guy or South Park better as kind of a random fun <laughs> one? Um, something about my pseudo, uh, some mistakes that we made in the past and what we regret, and uh, what forms and online communities or discussion boards are the most useful for computer network security, and also something about uh, keyboard privacy on Android devices. Let's dive right into the main question from Dressing Gown, which is that uh, what has been the most effective method of getting the average person whose attitude is, I've got nothing to hide, to reevaluate their stance? And uh, they get into a lot more uh, details, but I think that's kind of like the main the main question. So in my experience, you said there's – so there's a couple things that have worked well for me. First of all, you say I understand this won't be one size fits all, and I want to start there because you're right. I think everyone has – and I, I know I've said this on like different podcasts and videos before, but everyone has uh, different priorities. So for example, I don't have kids. I don't plan to have kids. Um, so like stories about like school data breaches and like, uh, you know, the insecurities of children's tablets, I do care about those as a privacy advocate and a decent human being, but they don't hit me, you know, like I don't have kids. I'm not scared of like someone trying to groom my kids cause I don't have them. But for other people who are parents, those stories are really going to speak volumes. So I think, um, the first thing I would recommend is understanding what matters to your target audience, you know? Understanding um, there are some people who are super political and and I don't mean that in a crappy way for the record, but like they're super political and they they care a lot about uh, uh, like free speech or activism. And it's like that's something to keep in mind. They're probably not going to respond well to stories about, you know, um, like mage card attacks, stealing your credit card. But then on the other hand, there's people who do a lot of online shopping at a lot of different websites. And that might actually make them be like, wow, I didn't realize the Internet was so insecure. So um, I would start there. I would also start by accepting the fact that this is going to be kind of a long game in the sense that uh, I've mentioned like my brother, for example, I'm, I'm not trying to throw him on the, under the bus, but he's extremely left leaning politically. Uh, I don't know about like far left, but he's, he's pretty left. He's pretty progressive. And it took years of me sending him articles about like, hey, Google is selling data to immigrations, immigrations and customs enforcement, ICE, and like, hey – Facebook is actively propping up Trump and disinformation around his campaign, and I'm not trying to be political. These are all facts. You can go look them up. And like all these things that don't align with his values, it took years of these kind of stories before he was finally – just little things like I'm going to get off Google and switch to ProtonMail or I'm going to you know, switch to Brave instead of Google Chrome, like just little things like that. And it is a very light touch. You don't want to beat people over the head with it constantly, but you have to accept that there's probably not going to be like one bombshell thing. Like there will be that one moment where it finally clicks, but it's not like there's one article out there that you can just instantly drop it and like, bam, got him. It's probably going to be like long exposure and it's going to take time for them to like simmer with these ideas and get comfortable with them. Um, and then just in general, I've also found there's like kind of going back to the first thing, there's pretty universal things. Like when people are like, well, I have nothing to hide. You know, the common response to that is like, okay, what are your bank account numbers? Like, what's your password to your email? Like, show me the nudes on your phone. Like people have things to hide. And that last one won't work on everyone for the record. But, you know, people have things to hide. It's just, it's framing it in a way that they realize that they do have things to hide and they just haven't thought about it because they think that it's criminal to hide things. And it's like, no, we all hide things. We all have passwords for a reason to control who knows things and who has access to those things. So do you want me to take the second part? Or you, well, go ahead and answer. 
before I jump to the second part of that question. Yeah, I'd say a lot of that are definitely things I've tried to. I, I think it depends on the person and what kind of approach works with them. Um, lately, I've been doing something a little bit different, which is I actually paint to more of the extreme scenarios lately. So really? someone goes, oh, like, why, well, why, why privacy? Why is that a thing? And I go, well, because it's actually something that people need to live and survive in certain parts of the world right now. You know, if you're someone in Ukraine and you need to communicate securely, that's a life or death situation. Uh, if you're in the Middle East right now, that's also a life or death situation, depending on who you are. And there's so many part, places all around the world that you need to securely connect and be able to access things privately. And without that ability and without that option always available to you, um, I don't think we can ever actually have human rights. And so that's I've been taking more of a broad approach with it. And then I'll typically like narrow down into more of a personal thing. And then I'll say, well, even mm -hmm. here in the U.S. where everything seems fine, here's why I'm still concerned about it. Um, so it's been my approach lately, just as a different alongside everything else you already said. I also have been saying that recently as well. I would like to know in like six to 12 months, if you could report back and like, how well is that working? I'd be really it makes interested. people instantly know that what you do is important instantly. Um, which I think, okay, there's that. <laughs> so it depends what you're going for. If your goal is to make, and it, so it depends on goals. If your goal is to make them care about privacy and make changes in their personal life, I think that the individual approach is the best way, which is what mm, you were talking okay. about. I think right. if you want someone to just appreciate privacy and understand it is important, mm. then I think pointing to the scenarios where it is an extreme life or death situation that any of us could someday be in is also an important thing to highlight as well. I think they're both important. I think it's important. That's why I said I start with that now because it makes them realize, oh, that is something important. And then I can start personalizing it. So that way, maybe they can personally become interested. And then just real quick, you you said as a second one, uh, Nate said that he struggled to get people on signal while his significant other has managed to move people over with significant ease. How does she manage to convert people? Honestly, and I know this drives people crazy, features. Mm -hmm. Y'all don't understand. Privacy doesn't sell. Like, I'm sorry. I, I hate to say it. But privacy is not a selling point to most people. For us, it is. For most people, it's not. The way she gets people over to Signal is like, you know, unlimited message attachment size, um, like gifts and stickers. And, you know, especially if they're in her device. If one person's on an iPhone and she's on an Android, she's like, hey, if we both get Signal, it'll be just like iMessage. We can send the voice messages. We can send huge high-definition videos and, and, and photos. And we can send gifts and stickers and all this stuff. She almost never mentions the encryption or she'll throw it in as an afterthought. And then she's like, and as a bonus, it's end to end encrypted. It's some of the best security in the world. You know, that's how she gets people to move over. So honestly, like I know people get mad and in some cases, rightfully so. We get mad when people start rolling out these stupid features like stories and stickers and this and that. That's what's going to get mainstream adoption, whether you like it or not. Just touting like, oh, it's got this double ratchet, triple whatever, super encrypted, hyper quantum that normal people do not care. It's got stickers and unlimited file attachments. They're going to be there. Right. That's my I approach just... too, which I have a lot. Of, I mean, I have, <laughs> I think I have, I, I counted, I think I have over like a hundred contacts on Signal now or something insane like that. Wow. Um, and for That's the record, <laughs> I mean, I'm in several large group chats, but like my friends, my local friends were in a group chat on Signal. It's, that's where we do everything. Um, nice. And those, I never once told them, hey, 
yeah, we should get on Signal because it's super private and secure. It's like, oh, hey, wait, no, like, half of us have iOS, half of us have Android. I'm not going to put up with this nonsense. So like, let's mm-hmm. just get on Signal. And it's got lots of cool features, and it's going to make our group chats really easy and, and nice to use. And no one ever complains when they're on Signal. Yep. I've never I've never had someone go, oh, I don't like how this is here. It's just like, oh, it just works, and it has cool features. And then you go, oh, by the way, it's also really private and secure. All right, next question is from Mr. Camel 999 and it's pretty much, uh, which is better, Family Guy or South Park? And this is going to be the test of our friendship. I know it kind of is actually. Um, I'm going to start. Well, I think I already know you like South Park because you, you quote it all the time and I've seen every For the episode. Record, I'm not like a diehard fan. I, I've, I've missed a lot of episodes. But... I am. I was kind of a diehard fan. Like I grew up, I watched South Park way too young. I was watching South Park in like third, fourth grade. Um, and I watched the whole first eight seasons. We I had it on DVD. I'd rewatch Jeez. them. And I grew up, and I'm still a huge fan of it. I, I, I just can't keep. There's not. There's no more material. I mean, they re- released like six episode seasons now, and I watch them, and I go, okay, they're all right. <laughs> but um, the classics are really good. Some of the stuff they did didn't age very well. Which, like, who, who, no one is going. I was going to say stuff. a show that's been aged going for like 15 years, and some of the older stuff didn't age well. You don't say, right? Like late 90s, even <laughs> like it's been well over 20 years now. The weird thing is, I love American Dad. I think that oh, yeah. American, American Dad's great. It's great. It's story based. Everything makes sense. It's like a nice coherent. I love the characters, but Family Guy, it's just I can't. The first few seasons I watched and I didn't mind them, but anything beyond the first few seasons, I, it just irritates me too much. Then, I think it's funny dude, because even don't, Family don't Guy people bite me. God. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because you're, even you're Family done. Guy people, I think, will admit that American Dad is the superior show, but. Um, it's funny because I used to be a diehard Family Guy fan. Like I watched all the episodes, kind of like you were saying about South Park. Like I didn't start it too young, but I, I started around high school and I watched it all and I thought it was hilarious. But the older I got and the more I binged it, the more I realized like, you know how there's the whole defense of like, oh, but they make fun of everyone equally. Like, but Family Guy doesn't. Mm-hmm. And South Park, I feel like actually does. So it's kind of funny. The older I get, the more I like South Park and I think it's the better show. Um, Family Guy, I, I will say there are some one-off jokes that – there were two specifically that literally made me cry laughing. Um, and then there's there's just a few that I think are like the jokes themselves are kind of funny. But overall, it's just kind of like – and like even older stuff. Like you said, like I go back and watch stuff that you know I, I've watched before and I'm just like, eh. Like it – I wouldn't say I hate it, but it it's definitely it doesn't do anything. But, like, South Park, I can actually enjoy, and I can watch, and I can be like, this is actually funny and, like, smart and well-written, and it's not, like, trying to pretend like they're making fun of everyone, but really they're not, and it's, yeah. The South Park guys way more into South are, Park. are just geniuses. Like, they, they really are. They're the so stuff good. they pull off and the way they get away with it and the way that they it, – it's the stuff we deal with, too, because we'll say something that we try to be objective about something and just say the story, and then we get in the comments – People are like, I can't believe you're on the other side. And then the other, the other side goes, I can't believe you're on the other side. And it's like, we just... I have been called both like an, an alt-right bootlicker and like a far-left communist. Right. And I'm just it's, like nailing it. It's I'm so right in the funny. Middle. And that's the South Park guys in a nutshell because they just make fun of situations and they make fun of both sides generally. Yeah. And then I, I hear the far left go, these guys are just closeted conservatives they spread tons of problematic beliefs but they don't normally sometimes they do again like sometimes they have had some problematic moments i think uh but then like 
the alt-right are like, they're attacking us and they're calling us stupid and all these things. And they're like, yeah, they're probably attacking something you're doing that's stupid on both ends. <laughs> they're like, yeah, yeah, leftists do some stupid things and right people do some stupid right things. Back to this question, though. Um, did you ever see Cartoon Wars? <laughs> no. I don't uh, think I've even a, heard of that, to be honest. It's a two-part South Park episode. Uh, it's the one where they make fun of Family Guy. Uh, where they're trying oh, to... Oh, okay. Yeah, so I've seen it. I just don't remember much of it. And then they have the South Park imitation of Family Guy, which is, like, the best way of just going back in the random uh, the random cutbacks to just stupid things that don't make any sense. Um, but the, what people don't know about Cartoon Wars is they aired the first one, and South Park... One, some Why I think South Park is so genius is because they release them every week. So every South Park episode is made in less than six days normally. I remember um, that. Yeah, and so they... It, that's how it's all current events is because like they get all the current events like what are we going to make a show about and then within six days they have to put everything together and then you get an episode on wednesday um and so they released that it's important because they released the first episode of cartoon wars <clears throat> and then the simpsons creators called them and went thank you so much you shared so many of our <laughs> thoughts about the family guy team and so that's why bart simpson is actually in the second cartoon wars episode they actually got part, Bart yeah. Simpson to be in the second first night cartoon wars because it's again it's a they produced it within the week, and King of the Hill, the King of the Hill writers oh called Matt and Trey, who are the creators of South Park, and they said you're doing God's work. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way they referred to it. Um, and actually, there's a cameo because there's a scene where I think they're escaping the studio in South Park in the in the second episode and it shows mm-hmm. some of the King of the Hill writers and there's a King of the Hill poster on the back and so <laughs> yeah so you King of the Hill Simpsons and South Park like all had this big moment where they all were super happy and just like yeah nice. we all hate family guys just not like none of them are fans of family guy and the kind of humor that it has so i just thought it was funny funny story to share along like I said, it's it's got one-off jokes that I think are genuinely hilarious, but mostly just because of how random and, like, completely out of left field some of them are. Okay, Cracker Barrel Biscuit says, I've been trying to use MySudo for burner numbers, but unfortunately nearly all the services I use block voice over IP numbers. Is there a MySudo type of solution that gives real phone numbers? Um... I was thinking of going and buying a track phone with minutes as an alternative, but honestly, that only gets me one number. So, yes, you have several options here. Well, you have a couple options here. Um, I just... This morning, as we're recording, I dropped the uh, the Q&A. Sorry it took so long for the last episode. I mentioned there's an app called Cloaked. I want to reiterate, I still have not time to lo- had time to truly look into this myself. But I read an interview. The creators of the app – it's in TechCrunch, by the way, if you want to go look for it. Um, the creators of the app swear that it functions the same as an actual SIM number. They said that in the interview. They're like, this is not voice over IP. We're working directly with a tier one carrier. All these numbers should work as actual SIM numbers. I haven't tried it, but if you can afford it and it's available in your area, which I'm assuming it is if you're using MySudo, I would look into that. Um, Otherwise, you mentioned buying TrackPhone. I know that's something Michael Basil recommends or has recommended in the past is like go get something like Mint Mobile that's super cheap. Um, And you kind of have to be patient with it, I guess. Like you can't do this like 10 numbers in a row. But you buy a number, um, you activate it, maybe give it like a week, use it. I might be wrong about that, give it a week part. But either way, use it, let it let it sit for like a week so that it's recognized as an actual real number, and then port it over to Google Voice. It's like a one-time $5 fee, 
And that way you still have access to that number. You've already done whatever verification you need to. So the service accepts it as a real number, but then you still have control of that number. If a year down the road, something goes wrong and they're like, Hey, we're going to text you a code or, you know, uh, we suspicious access in your account. We need to text you a code, whatever. That's kind of a big thing for me is like maintaining access to that number. That's why I don't like there's a lot of services out there that are like, oh, it's a 10-minute number that first of all, most of them don't work. And secondly, it's like, cool, what happens if I need that number in six months or an hour even? So those are my two suggestions. Yeah, the only one I have to add on to that, aside from what you said, because this is something I'm researching right now as well, it's the one that starts with a J that hooks into XMPP clients. JMP chat. JMP chat. So that's the other one. I, yeah, I need to look into that one too. But I don't right. know if that gets accepted as voice o- or as an actual SIM or as voice over IP. I'm not sure. I don't know. I Yeah, I don't know. Again, this is something I'm researching too. So hopefully one of us uh, gets enough free time to put out <laughs> something related to this. Alan has a question. Both of you have been putting out work for several years now. While naturally you're going to grow and learn, is there anything you've put out that you now regret doing um honestly i'm someone who doesn't have too many regrets um in life in general and that's not to say i don't make mistakes because i made a ton of mistakes it's just that when i go back and see the information i had and where i was in life i go yeah i can't really regret that like that's just where i was um i'd say the biggest mistakes there's actually a whole blog article i made that's like tech lore has made a ton of mistakes and why we will continue to make them um, and that would kind of dove into some of them. And I would say most of the things that I've <clears throat> done, I like, I'm like, yeah, like I made, went with the best information I had at the time and I evolved and I grew and I hope that people can acknowledge that. And if they don't, then sorry, not perfect. Um, there was a certain uh, situation with a certain individual that I think, um, I would have just stayed out of altogether if I could have, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I regret everything. I should have just stayed home and played video games. Right. Well, I don't even regret what I did because if <laughs> I didn't speak up, no one else would have spoken up. And I think it was the right thing to do. So like that, that is why I don't actually regret it because I think it was the right thing to do at the time. And someone had to shine a light on the issue and no one was shining any lights. Um, but for my own personal like mental well-being, it would have been nice to just not even deal with it and just focus on myself. Mm-hmm. So it depends. Like, yeah. I think the big thing is, like you said, like you, you were doing the best with the information you had available at the time. And one of the podcasts I listened to, um, it's a stuff, stuff they don't want you to know. It's a conspiracy theory podcast and they take like a, a, they call it a critical thinking approach to conspiracy theories. And so a lot of the time they talk about, you know, um, like Atlantis and Lemuria and like these lost races, these quote unquote lost races and, and lost continents. Um, but you know, they talk about like, or, or not even that just in general, they talk about like ancient people and their beliefs back then. And I love that one of the hosts constantly reiterates, he's like, look, people aren't stupid. Like your ancestors back then were every bit as smart and intelligent. And like, in terms of like reasoning and logic, as you are now, they were working with the information they had at the time. And so like, we look back on them and we're like, of course, there's no sun God. There's no, you know, like what do the ancient Egyptians believe? It's like a dung beetle pushing the sun across the sky. Like that's so dumb. That's ridiculous. But back then they didn't know about gravity. They didn't know about astronomy. Like they were working with the information they had. And to them that made sense. And, you know, and, and I think I'm with you, like just generally in life, I don't have a lot of regrets and same thing. Like I definitely look back and I'm like, especially I'm not going to lie. I look back in my twenties and I'm like, you know, I was really like I was never a terrible, terrible person, but it's like, I was definitely kind of self-centered back then. Um, I was definitely not the best version of myself just as a person. 
And I'm still hopefully not the best version of myself. I hope I'm continuing to grow and improve. But it's like you said, like I was doing the best with the information I had at the time and, and the person I was at the time. And um, yeah, I think the only thing in, in terms of like the new oil, I think the biggest thing I regret is uh, I think probably just I mean, there's definitely production quality. Like I look back at some of my older videos and I'm like, someday I should redo these because these are just like the information's fine, but the quality is just bad. Um, if anything, I think the biggest thing I regret is just trying to please everyone at once for a while, for a while there, I definitely went through a phase where I was trying to like consider everyone's feedback. And for the record, I I think a lot of it was good faith feedback, but it was also, and I remember at one point I was working on a whole advanced section of the website that talked about like virtual machines and tails and stuff like this. And I, I hit a point where I just sat there and I'm like, like censor me on this one. I'm like, the fuck am I doing? Like, my mom is never going to use virtual machines. She's never going to use Tails. Like, she has no reason to. It's not even in her threat model. And that's kind of why the website says, like, look, this is the specific threat model I'm catering to. And it's just, yeah, it's, I think that was the big thing is I should have just, a long time ago, I should have defined what I was going for and stuck with it, which I'm, I'm doing, I, I'm pretty good at now. But if I had to pick one thing, I think that'd probably be it for me. I yeah. mean, so, sometimes it's legitimate. Fe- it's like, it's it's a skill, though. Like, and that's yeah. why I still think you're working with limited information because especially with us, I think we are not only perfectionists, but ultimately somewhat people pleasers. And we want people to enjoy our content. We want people Mm -hmm. to get value from this because we care about it. And part of our job is over time understanding we can't please everybody. So what can we please and where, what's the scope of what we can do? What boundaries can we establish here? And so I think that like, that's something that like I'm obviously still developing and I think everyone's constantly developing um, but it's kind of nice to also like the feedback that you're sending to me now is from people is like 10 times better than it was like a year ago, I think, <laughs> which is good. I think that also is just an experience thing. Cause exactly. like, yeah, there's definitely a lot of like, especially working with you because the new oil was, and still is so much smaller than tech lore. At first it was just kind of an overwhelming amount of feedback and stuff. And now that I've been in it a little more, it's just kind of like, Oh, this is junk. This is just whatever. Like this is one comment as opposed to like, Oh, we got 10 comments on this thing. We should probably, exactly. cause like you said, like it, it is, I do want to be a perfectionist and I want to get it right. And I want to, you know, I, I do want people to like the content. And I think I told you, I, I put out a video about my pseudo and somebody noted, and again, they weren't even rude, but they just politely noted. They're like, hey, the payment feature is only available on iOS. And I'm just like, how did I forget to put that in the video? Like, right. just things like that, that it's like, oh, my God, and it's so frustrating. And uh, Yeah, it's yeah. annoying, man. I I relate. Sometimes that's why <sighs> it takes me a long time to put out a video, because I'm just like, I don't want to post this. As soon as I get PeerTube back up, I'm going to put out another video. It's It was on PeerTube. So. <laughs> yeah. It's stuff. I, I think I actually picked like one of the worst jobs for my mental health imaginable, to be honest. Probably. Like to be honest, like I, I actually truly believe that. I think that being a content creator, if you're someone who is a people pleaser and a perfectionist, it is the worst job for your mental health. Well, if it makes you feel any better, I know for a fact that the privacy community is sp- is significantly more toxic than any other community. Oh, oh yeah. I, I'm Because well like aware. my wife I'm follows well a ton of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, like for real though. Cause like my wife follows a ton of like smaller content creators that would be like comparable to, I guess more like me than you. But you know, if we're, if we're talking like from like, you know, Markiplier to, down to like the person who just started yesterday, they're kind of like a little more mid tier, lower tier. 
And like, there's nowhere near the level of like, there's not people coming into their discord rooms every day, five times a day, trying to dox them and spam everybody. There's not, you know, people making whole ass YouTube channels, trying to cancel them. Like they don't face that. kind. Of and like my, I've had friends and family that I convinced to come join rooms when I first booted them up. Like, Hey, just come out to the numbers. I don't even care if you check it. And they've had to leave and be like, I've never seen a community with this much spam, this much illegal content, this much like hatred and vitriol and like. Is just, I can't like I, I support you I love you I'm here for you but I cannot be in this room because it's bad for me and I'm not even watching the room it's like the privacy community is significantly more toxic than any other community if you had been like a regular streamer you would probably have a third or a quarter of the vitriol and the stress that you have right now I know so it's not even just being a content creator it's being a content creator and privacy specifically right I'm like. I know we're way off topic, but you can keep this in if you want. I actually met with a friend about a month month or two ago who is a full-stack developer who's in between jobs right now, but he's kind of like in an, in an okay space between like savings and severance and everything. And he's like, while I'm in between jobs, I'm thinking about doing something for the privacy space. And I straight up told him, I'm like, honestly, I wouldn't get involved. Like it's that bad that I don't think it's worth your mental health. I, I agree. And, and it's not just us. It's not just even content creation. I think a lot of it is rooted deeply in the community. Um, mm -hmm. I cannot say names. I won't hint at who it is or who they are. Um, but multiple people I've talked to, behind the scenes, it's not even content creators. There are other content creators I've talked to who deal with a lot of the issues we deal with. But it's the services you're using. People who are listening to this, I promise you, well over half of you are using a service with someone behind the scenes who's developing it who deals with the same stuff we are dealing with and they hate dealing with the community side of things. And it mm -hmm. makes them not even want to be in privacy. And that's like when I'm going to conferences and meeting people in real life and we're going to get dinner afterwards and chatting about this stuff in real life, which I don't normally get the luxury to do. These are people developing the services that you work on that I get to communicate with and they straight up communicate to me. We're stressed. We hate it. We have to just turn off so many things and we can't even try to communicate and have a community because it's just so embarrassingly toxic. Um, and that's not to say, this affects our communities too. You know, like we're not perfect. I'm not saying I've built a perfect community because we deal with these issues as well. But I think it's a good reminder. Like if you're listening to this and you think you're a somewhat normal person, please get involved with the privacy community because we need more normal people in it. Please join communities. Please like spread normalcy. And I know it's most normal people don't have the energy and the time to be on the internet all freaking day and just be annoying. So I know that you probably have limited time if you are someone who can do this, but um, I think it's a great way to support the cause because I think we just need a little bit more normalcy in the space. It, it breaks my heart. Like the, some of the services I love that I talk about all the time, man, like the people behind them are struggling. And I believe I, it. It's it's just it breaks my heart. Like I can only do so much, and I do my best to support them, and they support me too. That's kind of the cool thing about having privacy friends is we can support each other and be like, this is ridiculous. Like we don't need to put up with this, but we do anyway. So do it's just do. just a lack of empathy, right? Because you know it's one thing to be like, I don't I don't agree with that service or the way they do things. I'm just not going to use it. But then there's people out there who are like, no, I'm going to campaign against them, spread lies, and also like bully them directly. To get them to do what I want. And, and, and it's like, just accept that there's other services stories. out there, man. Right. Make up insane stories about things that are just not even legitimate, not even real, not even, like, fathomable. It's it's unbelievable. I don't know. I'll leave it there. I can complain about yeah. I, I mean, we literally, like, 
and guys, I'm being serious. Some some organizations have dedicated therapists. <laughs> like, yeah. that's how serious this is. There are actual therapists who have to deal with people like us in the privacy world because of just how bad it is <laughs> for us sometimes. And I, I'm Didn't not I say even a couple looking... weeks ago, I was thinking about going to a session yeah. <laughs> or something. Yeah. <laughs> I I, uh, I think everyone yeah, in a, a position like us should probably have a therapist. It's probably the right thing to do. And the final thing I'll say is uh, I'm not stopping because of it. So you guys can keep doing it. Because <laughs> I don't want it to seem like we're just going to quit because people are mean enough. So, like, please do it. Waste your time. That's fine. Uh, it just means that we're probably going to also need more support from people who actually value what we're doing. So, uh, if you do value what we do, like, the positive comments really do mean a lot. So, we really appreciate it. And that's the reason why we're, we're still in this. So, yeah. Okay. We got two more left. Um, next one comes from David Johnson. What forums... <laughs> I don't know how much of this is going to get kept in, but we just went on a long, long talk about this. Uh, what forums or online communities or discussion boards do you find the most helpful for computer network security, either general or specific to a particular area's topics in terms of level of expertise participants or quality of the advice offered? Obviously, no platform is perfect, um, you know, from the unqualified participation and such, but uh, some are generally good quality. Um, I think that varies because I've noticed, and I'm I'm hardly an expert, but I've noticed a uh, non-privacy spaces on reddit like uh it and cybersec and stuff like that from what it seems to me they seem to have some pretty knowledgeable people there um as far as privacy specific spaces i do i haven't been there in a while but like privacy guides room on matrix seems to have pretty knowledgeable people sometimes they're a little opinionated but you know aren't we all sometimes yeah if it's computer network security i'd say start with reddit and please in the comments let me know if i'm wrong but from my layman's perspective, it seems like generally people there know what they're talking about and offer pretty good advice. Last question is from Apricot. Using stock Android, are there any privacy benefits to switching to another keyboard from Gboard? I'm trying out any soft keyboard at the moment, and I, as I love swipe. Uh, I'd say yes. I, I would say Gboard, unless you find a workaround to block internet access to the app or something like that, uh, it is Google collecting uh, probably some data that you're that you're typing. And there's probably some nuance to it in regards to, I think you can set it to not share contact information with the keyboard or something like that. So I think, you know, there might actually be, it's not all or nothing, but yes, I think switching to something that's more privacy respecting to your keyboard is really good. Um, This is an area where iOS is really nice because I think iOS has a permission for keyboards uh, where third-party keyboards, you can disable internet access for the keyboard apps. Hmm. Um, And that's an iOS specific thing. Um, and so, yeah, I would say move away from it. When I was using stock Android, I did use a different keyboard. So I don't know if you have a different. I don't, I'm in the same boat. Um, I think there is a good argument to be made about the security aspect and like, you know, you're trusting another party cause you can't, as far as I know, you can't uninstall Gboard. So it's still going to be there. And there is the possibility of, you know, if that, uh, even if it's a trusted, well-known app you bring in that third party and they might have some vulnerable library or zero day that gets discovered down the road um so i think that is worth you know needs to be said but from a strictly privacy perspective yeah i'm with you i'm i would be shocked if google is not collecting some kind of data from gboard um maybe not message content wholesale but uh maybe like i don't know like usage information at least um i don't have any suggestions to recommend because i when I was on stock Android, I was just like, look, I, I know Google's collecting everything. I don't see the point. And uh, I actually, believe it or not, I really liked Gboard. I, between Android and iPhone, Android has autocorrect freaking down, man. Like, I was blown away by how good the autocorrect was on Gboard. 
Um, I actually do kind of miss that now that I'm on a custom OS, but, uh, um, from a strictly privacy perspective, I'm willing to bet there's definitely better options out there. Like I said, I don't know what any of them are, but I would do some digging They They probably do exist. Well, you're on Calyx, uh, right? I am now. Yeah. Well, you can just use Gboard and turn off internet. And then I, I've thought about that, but then I wonder is like, is what made Gboard so good in that regard? Like the ability to machine learn and like communicate with a server. I don't think so. I think a lot of it's just built into the auto. Try it out. I forgot because I think huh. I, think I was going to say maybe I'll try it. I think that was my setup when I was on Calyx. Uh, I think it was Gboard with internet disabled and Daytora firewall. Uh huh. And I even did some basic log. Like I checked on NextDNS for any log requests that could have come from the from the keyboard, and I didn't see anything. Um, hmm. Let's try it out. Uh, I I don't rem- I remember the autocorrect being better. I was doing it mainly for swipe, but I remember the autocorrect being good too. But I forgot if that's tied to I the Android dictionary or if that's part of the keyboard. I don't know. Just look into it. I might. But anyway, yeah, I would I would look into other keyboards. Yeah. Well, I don't know how much we're going to keep in because we went on a whole <laughs> tangent about something. And we probably won't keep the whole thing in because we're at 50 minutes, which is almost as long as the see. actual surveillance report. <laughs> um, so uh, let's go ahead and start uh, sending this off. Again, thank you all for tuning into the Q&A. These questions are from our patrons. And if you want to ask us a question next week, patreon.com slash surveillance report. Now I'm realizing, did I say patreon.com slash techlore? On the actual, I don't think so. I don't know, we'll see. Um, but yeah, patreon.com slash surveillance support. We're also on LibraPay, and we are also uh, we also support Monero contributions as well. Um, to ask a question, it has to be through Patreon, and we appreciate all of our patrons for asking questions and keeping this engaging, especially the regulars. And I think that's it. So all those links will be down in the description, and we'll see you all uh, this weekend-ish for the next surveillance support.